0: NAD Ministerial presents Multiply. Multiply, Baptize, Equip, Plant with Jose Cortez Jr. I want for
1: us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read Welcome just
0: this. Welcome to the <laughs> <E-Hidal. laughs> And this morning we're
2: having a baby dedication, you know, every now and then. We baptize you now in
0: the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Seaborn Spirit. We're about
1: to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is
0: there a second to the motion?
1: To present to you
0: the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Good morning, friends, God give us strength and power to live like You told us to live. I'm Patricia, and welcome. What do Walt Disney and a revitalized church have in common? Find out today as our host, Jose Cortez Jr. talks to Tim Gillespie.
2: You had 85 when you came, five five years ago?
1: Yeah, I had 85. We had about, I think, 380 on the books membership. We just passed 1,100 on the books in membership. We have 2,000 people attending every week. 2,000 people attending. Yeah, right about 2,000. I think that church has been revitalized. Our brand promise is that if you bring somebody into the church, they will either have such a good experience in the lobby that they will feel welcome.
0: We've got lots of great actionable insights on the way. More in a moment. We want you to know that we are here as a growth resource. Go to nadministerial.com and click on podcast for everything you need to multiply your ministry. Our guest is Tim Gillespie. Here's Jose.
2: So our churches need to be more like Jesus. Jesus came to save them too. And today I want to welcome you to our Multiply podcast with a very special guest, Tim Gillespie. Hi, Tim. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's good to have you. Thanks for having me, man. We're here on the campus of Andrews University, uh, the studio for the Adventist Learning Community, and today we want to talk about a very special topic, revitalization. A lot of our churches in North America have either declined or uh, plateaued, and uh, we're in trouble if we don't do something about this. And uh, You pastor a church. uh, What happened to your church? How many members
1: do you have? Um, when well, you first came. When I first came, I got there in 2014, October. Um, and my first Sabbath, we had about 85 people worshiping with us.
2: But this is a church, Crosswalk. You're the lead pastor of the Crosswalk Church. And this is a church that had had 700 people at some point.
1: Yeah, seven, 800 people worshiping. Um, it had been uh, kind of a growth out of Azure Hills Church, a young adult group that kind of aged out of being young adults. And so <laughs> they started, their, they daughtered a church, I guess is what we say and then all of a sudden you show up you have 85 people yeah it was um i learned a couple of things the first thing is that you should always ask what the financial status of a church is before you take the you job? You didn't. You had not asked. No, right? I hadn't. I had. They didn't actually interview me. They just like I got a call from the conference president saying, "Would you like to be lead pastor?" And I always, you know, admired the church. And it when used you heard
2: lead pastor, you thought you were going to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I just I you know I thought it would be a good opportunity. I knew the DNA of the church. Oh, you knew, and okay. so um, I didn't realize kind of how how far it had fallen from where it had been, but um, but there's there's opportunity. Within that kind of desperation. Oh, by all means. Yeah, they said to me we had about three months before they had to shut the doors. And
2: That's so, what they told
1: you. Yeah, and so I said to them, "Listen, you've got so some- you went into that knowing that? No. Oh, I, I I learned that my first week. Oh, oh. But I also knew that they had some reserves, and so I thought, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna shut this church down, we're not gonna shut it down with. One hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank. We're going to spend the money that we need to to begin and then shut it down. Exactly. Well, <laughs> no, we I just, have to. I thought, I thought it was time to spend some money on ministry, okay. um, because at that point they were spending less than one percent of their budget on ministry. What were they spending on? Um, we have a significant lease. And at that point it was about $30,000 a month. Yeah. Right. And so they most of the money was going to that because they so were- 85 people paying for yeah. $30,000 a right. month. Right, amazingly committed people, I will say. Um, they had also been living off some pretty significant reserves they had and that was dwindling. Oh. And so it was there was a bit of desperation and there was also a bit of openness, willing to, um, to try kind of anything. And so I came in with what I thought was a plan. Um, and we learned quite quickly that, you know, we should prepare, not plan, because God kind of laughs at our plans. Um, but if we're pre- prepared to go where he leads us, then we'll be better off for it. So
2: you show up, 85 people, they tell you about three months left uh, to live here. Uh, that is that is not uh, unique. That right. happens a lot in North America, in right. our Adventist churches. Uh, and so what do you do? <laughs> well, we have we have thousands of pastors that are listening to our podcast, uh, church leaders, they're going through... And they're going through this. So so what do you do when you show up in a situation like this?
1: I think the first thing you have to do is understand the economy in which your church thrives. Um, So for us, we're in Redlands, California, which is right next to Loma Linda, California. So there's a significant amount of churches around. People. The reason why it was doing so poorly is because there was lots of other options and people could go wherever they wanted to. Um, but what we had to figure out is what, what was going to help this church thrive quickly. And for us, it was that worship experience on Saturday morning, and it was creating a particular kind of worship experience that wasn't necessarily offered in any of the other churches. So we became a bit of a niche church, if you will. But um, that, that's kind of the practical side of it. The reality is we, we had some principles that we needed to discover and the church had always been, you know, by their, by their estimation and by their um, end statement, they call it, is that we would be a church of belonging. And so that was a nice place to start. That's great DNA. We're going to be a place where people can come and feel like they belong. But then we have to create the experience to, to actually make them feel like they belong. So if you walk in and you're not greeted, you're not going to feel like you belong.
2: Okay, let's, let's, let's unpack a few of these things
1: here. So sure. the first
2: thing you went at was your worship service. Yeah. Uh, you needed something
1: desperate and, right? Uh, so people could uh, right. want to come again. We needed consistency. People needed to know, and I think this is true of every church, when you walk in the door, you will not only be treated well, but the experience that we'll, you will have in the worship experience will be great from beginning to end. That includes the sermon. That includes any special musics that you're going to have. Even the call for offering, if you still do that, is something that... Um, is desperately needed to be done well and with excellence. Because so you these We had to revamp. We had to revamp everything.
2: Okay.
1: Um, and, you know, different bands would come in and it would sound different every single week. Our, 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 um, our database of music was over a thousand songs. Ooh. Well, you never know what you're going to sing that way. Ooh. We had to cut that down to about 30 songs and then stick within that. So we had to begin to give boundaries. We had to so begin But rather to, than a
2: thousand songs to pick from, you pick from 30 songs. Yeah. And that's so that even. way people a lot. know what they're
1: singing, right? That's even a lot. Yeah. And and there had to be a system of how we introduce new songs. I mean, all these things had to be thought through. You have to really curate that experience and create processes for every single thing that you do. Now, we introduce a new song about every four to five weeks, and you'll sing that song three times in a row. Um, and that means one person... For every week for three weeks in a row. Right. And then that means one person is going to have to curate that list and how that list is applied to the worship services. And that, that just hadn't been done. It had been just kind of a a shotgun approach. We'll just do whatever feels good for us at the moment and see if it works.
2: And that doesn't work. Well, in many of our churches, at times you don't pick a song to the last minute and you say, let's sing hymn 535. Right. Okay, and... Um, and I know it's well-meaning, but but people end up not knowing the songs, not
1: knowing, and they have a hard time singing. Is that is that part of the downside of having so many songs? Absolutely. And I think I think intentionality is what we're really talking about here. Um, I create a sermon. I create my sermon schedule, my sermon plan for the next year by June of the okay. previous year, so we can be working on what songs we're going to sing. We can be working on. Um, you know, any sort of special items that we need to have go along with these sermons. So you sermons. mean
2: to tell me that you
1: get your sermons,
2: uh, at least your topics, mm-hmm. uh, a year ahead of time? Yeah. All right? About 18 months. 18 months ahead of time. Wow. And then you give them to your worship teams. Yeah. So they can start working on the songs that they're going to have every Sabbath. Mm-hmm.
1: We start working with uh, graphic designers so they can work on the feel of the series. They can work on the visual presentation, because that's very important. We live in a visual world. And and this, just to be clear, this isn't something that has to be done in kind of a progressive worship setting. Anything... It can be done in any type of setting. Every setting. Excellence e- is right. okay anywhere. Exactly. Every time we hand somebody a piece of paper, it should be something that we design, that we understand what it looks like, that messages what we want it to message um, by what God has given us to... Be the message of the church that's really important. So, what does your worship look like? Because I'm
2: sure that we have people right now wondering. So, what does a worship look like? Uh, is it long? Is it short?
1: Uh, sure. A lot of things, you know? Our worship service is as simple as you can do a worship service, yeah. Okay, what do you, you do? You walk in when we have a countdown clock. The moment, so our services are 9, 10 and noon now. That's okay. when we do our three services. So, if you come in at 9, at 9, the moment it turns from eight fifty nine and 59 seconds, we begin the music. It starts. That's a promise that we make. We'll be timely. Promise that you make to the people. Yep. So it starts. We welcome them, and we begin to sing. If there's four people in the room, we begin. If there's 400 in the room, right. we begin. It doesn't matter. Um, that also includes our online audience, because our 9 a.m. service is actually the most watched service <laughs> that we have, for whatever reason. So, it's midday in the East Coast. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> people in the East Coast. They're just yeah. getting out of church, yeah. and so they're <laughs> grabbing it on the way home. Um, or didn't go to church that's true okay that's true but they you know you start right right on time we do th- we do four songs. Um, one, two, three, four, in between the first and second song is a short welcome, just welcoming the people online and welcoming the people in the room. At the end of those four songs, one of our associate pastors stands up and does a connect time, um, which is about a two-minute announcement and just making sure everybody is welcomed there. We don't do anything like turn to your neighbor or this and that, because statistically that show that that has been shown to make people, especially visitors, very uncomfortable. So we just welcome them, thank them for being there. At about two minutes out, we do our bumper, which is usually... a 15 to 30 second bumper for the videos, for the sermon series that we've created in house. And then I get up and preach. My sermons are 30 minutes to the dot as much as I can. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. How about the, how about the offering? We don't do an offering. You don't do an offering. Okay. So do. how does that work? Um, at the end of people the... People st- give actually? Oh, yeah. Without you making and doing an yeah, offering? Yeah. So we we did that two years ago. We stopped taking an offering. You stopped taking offering. I, I learned two things. First of all, don't do that on Easter. That's a horrible idea. Okay. We we, we <laughs> The first time we didn't take up offering was Easter. I should have waited till the week afterwards. Oh, man. But we prepared people for about nine weeks before saying we're going to take offering out of our service. You can give online. You can give in what we call give well stations that we have in the lobby and, okay. a, and um, in the sanctuary as so they walk out. people bring their envelopes yep. and their money. They and can they just, just drop just them drop in. in. We also still have our, um, our ushers and they still hold buckets. We call them giveaway buckets as they leave too. So they can just drop it in a bucket All that's right. easier. And then our online giving has exploded the year that we went to this exclusively and not asking for offering anymore. And that was, by the way, after telling them for nine weeks, <laughs> we're going to try this. If it doesn't work, we're, we're going to shove by. those <laughs> baskets right back in your face. Okay. Um, we said it much kinder than that, but, um, our giving went up thirty-three percent that year. Wow! Yeah, because people do this; they pay all their bills. People online. give because they want to. They want to give. Exactly. You know, they do. They do it online. Yeah, yeah, so they're very comfortable with the platforms. And we have we have three different giving platforms. Uh, obviously, eAvenous giving. We have. Um, PayPal as well, because some people have been giving recurring on that, so we just kept it open. And then we have Pushpay, and we're about to move not to a fourth. We'll probably drop Pushpay and move towards um, subsplash. So
2: your your giving hasn't decreased at all as a result of this? Not at all. All It's grown
1: significantly, as has tithe, local and tithe.
2: So you revamped your worship service. Then you talked also about belonging. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you expound a little bit on that?
1: Absolutely. If, if people need to feel like they belong, that means you have to intentionally do things to make them feel like they belong. So how they're greeted when they walk in is really important. Knowing that they won't be judged for what they're wearing or what they're not wearing when they walk in is really so important. They can walk in and just Absolutely. be who they are. I wear jeans and a t-shirt most of the time to preach. To preach? Right. Uh-huh. And um, our greeters... I have never read anywhere where it says that you
2: have to wear a suit and tie. That's right. Tie. Okay, so hey, that's right. it's fine with me.
1: And some of our greeters do wear suits. Um, and some don't. So it, people wear whatever it's they really, wear. and we we try and create that environment. Yeah, um, yeah, we we if they're if they're new, we ask them if they're new. We've got a little gift for them if they're new. If um you know if they're a recurring visitor, we're trying to get them connected. And one of the things that our our greeters do is we try and connect either. The greeter with the person, or we try and the greeter tries to connect that person with somebody who's already coming to church. So it's a lot of like, hey, do you know so and so? They're walk as they walk by. You should get to know them. They like this. You seem to like this, and we'll right. try and pair people together. And the church kind of just knows that that's going to happen. So if they're introduced to someone, they know that they that that's their responsibility. They need to hang out exactly, and they you, do it well, right? And we also try to create the space in the lobby for that to happen. We don't have a huge lobby, but we do have, um, you know, we have a lot of different options for. What you can do while you're in the lobby, get more information. You can grab a beverage wherever you need to be, and so um, beverages. That's awesome. Yeah, so and, people can come in, drink something. Yep. And, all right. So and and we're happy to have that come into the sanctuary as well. Or we call it the worship center because it's never. I don't think it's ever been prayed over as a, <laughs> interestingly enough. I We lease the building, so, so once maybe you pray over it, you cannot eat inside. I, I don't Bible. know. <laughs> 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 I think people feel like that maybe. So, um, so people
2: can bring their they their can bring beverage in. into
1: the yeah. Yep. No problem. We have dark carpets, so if they right. they spill, it'll be fine. Um, and then and then we begin the worship service right on time. In other words, you want people to feel like a million bucks when they walk into your... Yep. And our, our brand promise is that if you bring somebody into the church, they will either have such a good experience in the lobby that they will feel welcome. Or that the worship that happens, the the music and the production that goes around that will be so good that they'll like that. Or the sermon will be solid enough that they can grab hold of that. So even if it's somebody who doesn't believe in God, they will experience great community, great music. Even if they don't believe in the sermon, that's okay. They still find place. And what's interesting is we have a lot of agnostics and atheists that come that to come? church regularly. I had a small group for about six months that was just the agnostics <laughs> and atheists that were coming, which was fascinating. That was a really fun experiment. Um, and you know, my hope is that they will eventually believe, but what every single one of them has told me is that we value the experience that we're getting, we feel a part of this community, and it's so important to us that you believe, which is a fascinating comment that we could probably unpack forever.
0: More with Jose and Tim in a moment. We'd love to get to know more about you and your ministry. NAD Ministerial is dedicated to your growth and success. Go to our website, nadministerial.com, click on podcast and sign up so we can keep you connected to the latest tools, information and events to help you multiply your effectiveness in evangelism. Oh, and make sure you like, rate and subscribe to our podcast. And all of Jose's social media contacts are also on the website nadministerial.com dot com. Now back to the interview.
1: But um. But yeah, we try and... But every single one of these things is intentional. When I was working in healthcare for a little while, I got to work with an Imagineer from Disney. We're so glad to get you back from healthcare. Hopefully, you're not
2: going back there again. No, I don't think so. Some of our friends. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, But
1: I got to... They better not try to recruit you back (laughs) to that, right? No, we're trying to recruit them back. Okay, please. Um, So we got to work with an Imagineer and he said something that kind of blew me away. He said, don't you love the smell of cookies on Main Street in Disneyland? The smell of cookies, being baked. And I was like, "Yeah, no, it's amazing." And he said, "We don't bake cookies." He said, "We <laughs> pump in the smell." And he's like, "Our job is to to curate every single experience that you have while you're in Disneyland." So, you 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 rarely see a trash can being emptied because they've worked out that system. You'll never see a character out of out of character, if you will. Um, and, and so we took some of those principles and said, we can design the experience for church to be that good. You're not Disney, but you can do it. Exactly. And for instance, like at our Chattanooga campus, when it rains, you pull up, there's an awning, you pull up, you can let your... You can let your family out of your car. They'll hand you an umbrella so you can walk back from your car or they'll valet park your car for you, Um, which some people let them do, some people don't. But um, Because we want to curate that experience. And in all of our different campuses, we try to create that same experience no matter where we are. That's beautiful. So we have
2: uh, You started with... um Worship, mm-hmm. then you went on to belonging. Mm-hmm. You know, we want it, you want everybody to belong. The experience, mm-hmm. and then you said something uh, a few days ago. You mentioned something about the mission messaging.
1: You, yeah, you message your, your, your mission well. Yeah. Or? So so when we started, our mission was learning to love well. When I got to yeah. the church, we wanted more clarity, learning to love well. Learning to love well. We wanted more clarity on that, and we wanted something quite honestly that you could hashtag really easily. Okay. And so we we modified it or shortened it to simply love well. And then we plastered it on everything. We plastered it on T-shirts. We plastered it on um, on bumper stickers, on hats, because we wanted people to feel like they were a part of it. And we knew that when you wear someone's branding, um, you, you belong yeah. to that brand. And so we wanted to create that sort of brand recognition. So you have shirts, baseball caps. Yep, hoodies. Hoodies. Yeah. Uh, and it's been an interesting revenue stream for the church as well, because people... Beanies? People, bit we got beanies
2: in Southern California. Yeah, man, because it's a thing. It's cool, right? It's a, it's a thing. thing. Okay, all right. A, we don't need them,
1: but <laughs> we like them. Um, I would need one of those beanies it, right here, right it's now. True. Right? Yeah, but okay. No, so so we tried to we tried to solidify the messaging all across the board, and it's it's fascinating when you're you know. You're in a parking lot somewhere and you walk by a car and somebody's got a crosswalk sticker on because you realize okay they they want to carry this brand themselves they want to represent this brand and they understand that to put that on their car means people will hold them to a standard yeah. Of living, they can't, you know, be screaming at people in a parking lot. God you know. Yeah. So, so we hopefully that holds them a little <laughs> accountable. I have something in the back of my car on the my, you know, the back of
2: my car that says clergy, you know. And the other day I was cutting in uh, out of traffic, and then I remember I had that thing on, so I kind of came down for a little bit. But I, <laughs> man, maybe a little in bit DC, I'm not <laughs> sure I would put any branding on my car. <laughs> but hey, hey, everything that you're telling us right now pretty much says excellence. Mm-hmm. But I know that there is more than that, mm-hmm. that, that. Not everything that happens happens within the four walls of a church. Right. I know that there is, uh, besides a great serve, uh, worship service and um, helping people to belong and having a beautiful experience, I'm sure that you're serving your community. Because I heard you say at some point that uh, you have about 8,000 people within one mile radius, mm-hmm. and those, that's, that's your parish. Yep. So you're not only the pastor of your four walls and the people that come in, you're the pastor of your entire community, right?
1: Exactly. That's so what, what do you guys do for be. your community? Um,
2: so Besides the
1: worship services, because a lot of those guys don't come. Right. Oh, absolutely. The majority right. of them don't. So we spent 18 months um, researching our community, basically. we did 18 months. Yeah, 18 months. We did hundreds of surveys out um, at school, at our local um, elementary schools. We have two local elementary schools that fall under our um, service area, we call it. And... Um, And so we worked with the the parent groups there. We worked with um, the businesses in the area. We worked with some trailer parks that are in the area. And we just surveyed people over and over again to find out what it is that they needed from a church. And one of the things that came up was, interestingly, access to health care. Now, that's Mm. weird because we're right next to Loma Linda, but um, not everybody feels like a hospital is a place for them, and so we put together a free medical clinic that happens every single Thursday night. medical clinic at your church. And we also have a free legal clinic that happens there as well. Legal clinic. And we're the only free evening legal clinic in the Inland Empire that I know of right now. I could be wrong on that, but... Um, so people come to you for health care? Yep. They come for healthcare care and for legal advice. And for legal, oh, wow. Yeah, with, with lawyers that we have, we've got insurances for all of that. Um, and then we serve a meal and we serve between 80 and 100 homeless and underserved people every single week. Wow. And we give them, you know, we give them whatever they need, basically. One of the coolest ministries there is we've partnered with orthotics and prosthetics okay. program at Loma Linda. They come and they wash people's feet. They do it so they can do an assessment of their feet. Wow. And then we have about 300 orthotic shoes that if someone needs it, they will work to create the kind of soul that they need on these shoes. And I've watched somebody come into our clinic in a wheelchair and walk out. It was about 11 o'clock at night. It took that long to get it right. But she walked out at the end of the night, which was incredible. And so, um, but but we didn't want to we didn't want to come in and tell the community what they needed. We wanted to come in and, with real data, figure out how we could serve in the gaps. You that wanted were to there. scratch where it itches, yeah, exactly. So those were the needs, right? And and then we've worked with other communities. We've got we work with Inland Housing Solutions, which is a um, a rapid rehousing. Um, organization, because we don't want to reinvent a wheel. There's great not-for-profits that are doing great work. We want to fill a gap that's not being served at that point. And so it, it took us 18 months. It took us a while. Our community, the church was getting really restless. Like, hey, let us go out and do something. I said, listen, it's got to be it's got to be collaborative, it's got to be meaningful, and it's got to be sustainable. If we can't sustain it, then we're just running out, doing something good and running back and not really becoming a trusted partner in the community. So
2: you're partnering with other organizations. You don't do it by yourself. Right, we don't do it by ourselves. But you get a lot of help from church members? <laughs> Absolutely. And community members? Absolutely. How many people would you say are engaged
1: in ministry or some type of ministry in your church? Um, well, just... Just on, on a Sabbath, we have about 186 people that we need to make it run three services and children's programs. Three services. Yeah. And then um, then we probably have another 50 to 70 that are working um, on our clinic and that sort of thing. And those rotate on any given week. There's, there's 50 to 70 on any given week. So that's a rotating group of people um, from healthcare to food providers. Anything
2: about children's ministries?
1: Oh, yeah, man. Our children's ministry... Um, so having... Our children's ministry during one of our services was kind of an interesting model. It's something that's been done in the broader church world forever. Adventists don't normally do it. They usually have a Sabbath school time and then a church time. We decided that we wanted to um, fill a gap for especially parents that were really struggling with their kids, single parents and that sort of thing. So we did it at the same time. We have between 100 and 120 kids. Those ministries are still continuing to grow. Um, and we check our kids in. We make sure we check our kids. We are We're moving towards a... Pretty much, you you know, not having parents in the room, which I know is another okay. hard thing. But a- as every church has to deal with, there are sometimes parents that are distracting. Number okay. one, number two, there are also sometimes parents that have a varied history. We'll say, okay. and um, we need to protect our kids better than we normally do. Okay. The statistics on kids being abused in churches is kind of overwhelming, and we mm. want to make sure that we we don't ever have that happen. And um, that next move will be difficult for some parents, I think, <laughs> who want to just go and sit in. And I get it. I get it. I'm a parent. But um, at the same time, we want to make sure that every single person that's interacting with your child is, has been vetted, okay. is, is watched as well. Yeah. And, um, and so th- those are some of the next moves we're making with our children's ministry. How many people in your church today? You had 85 when you came, five, had, year, five years ago? Yeah, I had 85. We had about, I think, 380 on the books membership. We just passed 1,100 on the books in membership. We have 2,000 people attending every 2, week. 2,000 people attending. Yeah, right about 2,000. I and think then, that church has been revitalized. I think so. <laughs> I <laughs> and think it's so. growing.
2: Yeah. So baptisms have gone up. Mm-hmm. Tithes yep. and offerings have yep. gone up. Significantly. Um, attendance yes. has, off the, you know, it's, yeah, we're
1: we're considering a fourth service now, okay. which I don't know how well, we're going to do. Mercy, I have no idea.
2: But but besides that, you're planting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Multi sites. Yep, we felt like we were called not to just build bigger buildings because uh, we really have grown out of our space, and normally that's the next move, right, mm-hmm. to find a bigger building. We felt like maybe we could find another way to grow, and it's weird that we did it in. Tennessee first, but right. they were a group of people that were wanting to meet. So we planted a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which right. is a conference church. It is the Georgia Cumberland Conference's church. It doesn't have a pastor full time. I'm the I provide all the preaching content and consulting with the leadership team there. That's but kind it's kind of like a lay yeah, campus it's a, a lay driven church okay. between four and five hundred people attending in two services every single week. That is amazing. Yeah, and um, they're an amazing group of people. And then we're we're just moving. So we have a sub brand. So we're Crosswalk Church, but we have this sub brand called Love. And we help facilitate LoveWell Homes, which are small groups that meet at homes using our curriculum, and then um, LoveWell Communities. And so, Northeast Atlanta, there's a community out there in Flowery Branch, which is the next will be the next site. we have Um, and they have about 75 people meeting every single week they've rented a spot they are now a group in the georgia cumberland conference and um and they will become a full-fledged crosswalk site in the next few months they've been doing a really great job and we're also planting in la in the southern california conference in the foothills region which is kind of a wide region. We're kind of landing in Arcadia, Pasadena, kind of that area, right. a little bit more in the West End. Um, and we have about between 100 and 200 people that are meeting there. We're still monthly. We're hoping to become weekly on that in the next few months as well.
2: And we have kind of worked together a little bit on some of these things. Absolutely. You know, so conference presidents are uh, engaged in this conversation. Yeah. And within our denomination, we want to make sure conference presidents know what's going on and all of that, and they are okay with it. Yeah. Right? They're, and they're it's actually new. happy,
1: you know, but it's, yeah. it's hard. It's new because, you know, this... Like for instance, at Foothills, we really need to hire somebody part time right. to be there for the weekly thing. So, do we hire them to Southern California conference? So those
2: are them? the things that happen, right? are working on. Lots the details. of
1: interesting logistical questions, but um, but praise God. I mean, that's here's what's fascinating. These churches have essentially not cost conferences anything because the people want to plant churches. So um, you know, Chattanooga has been an incredible success, quite honestly, due to their leadership team there and the conference is willing to work. But that has not really cost the conference anything in infrastructure. I mean, they've certainly helped out, which is phenomenal. But but as far as writing checks, they haven't had to do that. And the tithe tithe is beginning to increase after the first year. So that's really pretty – I think that's new. I think (laughs) that's that's sort of new. That's pretty new.
2: And we're excited about it. We're going to have to see how we're going to navigate those waters. I know that conversations are on their way, but Tim – Your ministry, the ministry of of crosswalks, an amazing ministry. I believe personally that we need a lot more churches like yours in in, in the North American division. And thank you so much for taking time to be here with us. A church that went from 85 in attendance to 2,000 in attendance Mm -hmm. is now planting. You did great worship, excellent worship. You help people to belong. You love them well. Mm -hmm. The experience is awesome. Uh,
1: And at the same time, you also uh, a lot of outreach. Right. Uh, is that it? One more thing. Yeah. One more thing. Um, and and this is kind of the assumed right, but I want to be clear on it. Um, we have a clarion call that our business is Jesus. Right. Our job is to preach Jesus in and out of season, and so all of this is all of this is motivated by a deep desire that people might meet Jesus and might be really biblically grounded um, in in understanding their scriptures. So I mentioned in our recording that. Um, we did twenty nine weeks in the Book of Romans, Romans, which is a long series. In fact, we broke it up to three series just to pretend like we weren't in one series. But um, but people are hungry for the Word of God. Even,
2: even though you say that you're not a great preacher, I think you're a great preacher. No, well, thank you. All right, I think you're a great preacher. And uh, but you're a biblical preacher. Yeah. Okay. And that's and what you do, right? And that's that's Open the Bible. The, the beauty go.
1: is you just chase Jesus through Scripture, okay. Old Testament or New Testament, and He's present in every he's word. He's everywhere. And and I think that's what all the rest of it is kind of the fun we get to do is professional competency. That's the meat of what we do. I mean, the fact that the fact that people are hungry for Jesus, they're coming in with their Bibles. We create a series guide for every single day of every single series, so 365 so every you year. you preach on Sabbath and you give a guide for the week. For the so week. People can do something about that. Yeah, and we print them out. We give them out for free as oh, well wow. as they're on digital on crosswalkvillage.com slash media. Um, it's okay, man. It's okay. Yeah, Say it again. It's <laughs> crosswalkvillage.com slash media. You can right. download our series guides because we want people deeply impacted by the word of god and they need to rediscover it and they need to rediscover it intentionally. So, I I would say the rest of it has been good formula. That's the key. Jesus. The fact that Jesus is overwhelmingly present in our communities and and we speak to that and are intentional about that. So, I think that's it.
2: Thank you, Tim. So good that you came all the way from sunny southern California. <laughs> To uh, to not sunny To not sunny, but beautiful, snowy Michigan. Sure. All right? (laughs) Well, we spent two and a half years of our lives, you know, a few years ago. God bless you, man. This is a Multiply podcast with Jose Cortez. See you soon.
0: Thanks, Tim and Jose. Make sure you sign up for our email list. And don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to connect with Jose... Homebase for all things Multiply is nadministerial.com and click on podcast. I'm Patricia. Until next time, keep going, but most of all, keep growing. Multiply. Multiply. Multiply, a best practices podcast, is a production of NAD Ministerial. Executive producer Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hill for Anything Is Possible. Produced by Kendra Arsenal with Christina Massino. Edited by Taizi Snyder.